Welcome to Law Technology Now with host Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of ALM's award-winning magazine, Law Technology News. Hear the latest about technology for the legal community. If it's tech, it's a topic right here. Welcome to the inaugural broadcast of Law Technology Now. This is our podcast that is done in cooperation with Law Technology News and with the Legal Talk Network. It's kind of neat. We have three LTNs, so we'll have to define each of them. And for our first broadcast, I turn to one of my favorite board members on the on LTN's editorial advisory board, David Whalen. David Whalen was gracious enough to join the editorial board when I first arrived 10 years ago to edit Law Technology News, and he's had three different jobs since I first met him. Uh, when I first met him, he was the head of the American Bar Association's Legal Technology Resource Center. Then he did a stint at the Cincinnati Law Library Association as its director. And he has just recently moved north to Toronto, where he is serving as the manager of legal information for the Law Society of Upper Canada's Great Library. David, welcome. Thanks very much, Monica. It's absolutely thrilling to have you here. Why don't you tell, before we get into your article that's going to appear in the December issue of Law Technology News, why don't you tell the readers and listeners a little bit about your background and how you got interested in really simple syndication, which is the topic of our discussion today. My background is as a lawyer and also as a librarian, and uh, blending those two, uh, you want to get to information as quickly as possible. So I've uh, been dabbling in the technology and information fields for close to 10 years now, and uh, my latest stint here at the Great Library is really figuring out how to get current information out to lawyers all the way across Ontario. Sounds absolutely fabulous, and we're thrilled to have you with us today. David uh, authored an article called Simply Powerful, RSS monitors news, cases, blogs, and so much more. And it's going to appear in the December issue of LTN, which you can find online at www.lawtechnologynews.com and in print. And David, the first thing I want to ask you is, what's RSS? It's this great technology. And for lawyers, the issue is really time, and it's a time-saving technology that allows lawyers to stay on top of current events. Um, It's called really simple syndication. Um, RSS also stands for a family of file formats. And so when you're out on the web, you might see RSS or you might see Atom, which is another file format that can be syndicated as well. But really, the whole concept behind really simple syndication is getting a file that describes information that's on a particular website uh, that can then be read by a computer. And when you go to the New York Times or another website, your eyes tell you what the headline is for an article Uh, what the byline is and that sort of thing. But a computer typically can't tell what that is. So a really simple syndication file is written in XML, and it allows a computer to look at a file and to tell who the author is of the content, what the title of the content is, perhaps when the content was created. And so by using this type of technology, you can start to automate retrieval of information using these RSS files. Now, I suspect that many of our listeners are used to seeing a little tag or button on their favorite blogs that says either subscribe to this blog or syndicate this blog or here's an RSS feed. Is that what we're talking about on this? 
That's exactly right. And for users of the latest uh, versions of Microsoft Internet Explorer version 7 or of Mozilla's Firefox 2, um, when they get to a site, they'll see, see the little orange icon pop up uh, in their browser now. So that they have uh, information in their browser that's telling them that RSS is there. But as you say, on many, many websites now, you have icons that tell you to subscribe or to click on uh, a link in order to, uh, to start to get access to the RSS. Now, can you tell us if, if I'm doing that for the first time? Let's say you're going to our new EDD update blog and you click on the icon. Is that going to generate an um, email alert or is it going to, to generate a, a website that you go to? How does it actually work for the users? What, walk us through what someone does to retrieve that information. Once you click on that button, you will see another page that looks like a web page. And really what is happening is that your, your web browser is taking that RSS file, that XML file, and making it something that you can view. Because most of the time, web browsers can't view uh, the RSS file. You'll take that URL, the link for that, new, that file, that RSS feed, and you'll put it into your RSS reader, wherever that is. Uh, and that's how you would then access that information going forward. And the beauty of it is that when you click on that link the first time at the EDD blog and you see that RSS feed rendered for you in your web browser, it looks like a web page. And in normal life, you would then have to come back to this each time you want to look at that web page. But once you've got that link and you've placed it into your newsreader, then that RSS feed is automatically updated by your computer. And so then you go into your RSS reader and you can see all of your RSS news feeds rather than having to go back to the EDD blog again to see what has been updated since the last time you were there. So when you're talking about a reader, and again, some of our, our listeners are brand new to this, so I'm going to push you to, to even further define some of the terms. What is a reader? And, and, and is it something that when you turn on your computer you have to go to a bookmark URL or something? Or can you clarify that a little bit for us? I sure can. And, and it really, it, to sort of drill down to the bottom, if you think about information being syndicated, sort of like Doonesbury, the comic strip, Gary Trudeau creates one comic strip, and we all see it in whichever newspaper we happen to get. RSS works the same way. The RSS file is created and located in a particular location, and then you can use lots of different tools in order to access that information and to access multiple RSS feeds. So when I log on to my computer, I can have a web page like iGoogle or MyYahoo um, or a service like bloglines.com where I can start to capture all of these RSS feeds. Um, I can have a separate reader like the Google Reader or NewsGator installed on my computer, and I can look at it there. Uh, and I can even use NewsGator to go or Moby Pocket and download it to my PDA or my BlackBerry and take these RSS feeds with me. And they become these very small portable text files that allow me to stay current whenever I'm connected to the Internet. Does it cost money to, to uh, connect with these feeders, or are they free? What's the, you know, how do you, how, if you want to get one, what do you do? Uh, it, it's, it's really just like anything else. Uh, the more features you want, uh, the more likely you'll have to pay. The, the lovely thing about RSS is to get the feeds. It's typically free unless you're getting the feed from a, a service like uh, Thomson Westlaw or LexisNexis where you're already paying a fee to get access to the information. Uh, and then the readers like the iGoogle or the Google Reader, uh, the Moby Pocket for the PDAs, those are free services. And there are many, many free RSS readers for just about any environment that uh, a lawyer or a researcher would want. If someone is just starting out and a little bit intimidated, what do you recommend them to get their feet wet on trying this? I think the easiest way is to go out to a newspaper or a resource that they, they visit on a regular basis for personal information and find out if there's an RSS feed there. Say like the, the Yankees site? 
Exactly. There you go. <laughs> sports, sports information, the things that are updated on a regular basis. Find the RSS feed there and click on it. And when they are looking at it in their browser, in many browsers these days, it will actually prompt you at that next page to click on the subscription link to add it to your Google Reader or to add it to your Yahoo page. And by clicking that second link, you'll then immediately see your XML, your RSS feed appear in your, your reader. And once you've got one in there, then you can start to go back and add in additional ones. And the beauty of RSS and readers is that once you've set it up, once you've subscribed through that process, you don't ever have to go back to that original page. The RSS is updated, and you just go to your reader each time you want to see what's new. So for, for our readers who might be, might be uh, newbies on this, I, what I hear you saying is that you're encouraging them to just take one step at a time on it and that it will it will sort of blossom and and the the flower will emerge and and you'll learn a little bit one step at a time is that a, a accurate way to sum it up that is and it really once you have seen it in action it'll become a lot clearer how it can be beneficial because there are so many RSS feeds out there uh, going well beyond blogs, uh, sites like Google News. If you do a search on news.google.com, uh, when your results come up, you'll have a link on the side that says RSS. You can click and then you can save your, your news search um, in perpetuity so you can see all the uh, new content that matches your search that comes out in the future. Um, sites like justia.com, um, it's still in beta, but they are tracking uh, federal filings across many, many substantive areas, you can set up a search query on that site in your substantive area over a particular time period or using particular keywords if you're monitoring a client. Uh, when you get the results, you click on the RSS feed link, and you can start to monitor that too. So the RSS is, is all over the place, but if you start simply and just find really simple uh, syndication, uh, then you can start to add additional and maybe more complex complicated or difficult uh, sites to your overall RSS subscriptions. It sounds like the advice that, that in Law Technology News we give our readers all the time, which is don't think you have to dive in the deep end. You can put your foot on the first step of the baby pool and go at your own pace and learn things one day at a time. Is Absolutely. And RSS is flexible enough that if you want to take exactly what is given to you by the content provider, you can do that. And then there are additional sites like feedrinse.com or feeddigest.com where you can start to play around a little bit and filter out content that isn't as applicable uh, as you might like uh, from the original content provider. But there's no need to go to that step. If you're just watching for current events or, or watching for a particular client, uh, there are lots of resources available where you just click and add the subscription and then return to the reader to, to read it. We're talking with David Whalen. And David is the manager of legal information for at the Law Society of Upper Canada's Great Library. David, you you mentioned that the use of RSS feeds can go beyond its probably most popular uh, method, which is blogs. But give us, if you would, a little bit more detail on um, some of the uses that that our readers and members of our community can can do with RSS. I'm particularly interested if you could. Tell us a little bit more about how it can be used to track litigation issues and rulings and things like that, which you started to tell us about. RSS is, is beautiful not only because it can be used in your reader. You can have the syndicated content coming from the content provider, but an entire practice group could be plugged into the same information. The RSS feed could be in a reader that a lawyer in a firm uh, looks at, or else it could be embedded on the firm's internet site. So that if you're following a particular type of uh, litigation or if you're following a particular client, 
you can have that information automatically updating for multiple people, and you eliminate any emails that have to be generated in order to share information like that. The great thing about RSS is that it has really grown up on the non-legal side. So you can track a lot of periodicals. You can track news that's coming out, uh, news wires uh, from sites like Google. And then obviously you can use it from your Thompson Westlaw or your LexisNexis account uh, and get RSS based on the search queries that you're already using perhaps in a particular news database or a particular case law database. So it sounds like it's a good hybrid, or not hybrid is probably the wrong word. It sounds like that, that by being able to combine the free online sources with whatever paid resources you're already using is almost a logarithmic benefit of having you know, even more than you would have with the separate entities themselves. Absolutely. It's like any research. You really don't want to stick with one provider or one news source. And the benefit of the RSS is that it pulls it into a single view for you. So rather than you having to go out and check multiple sites or multiple sources, um, you can get it all in one box. And really, the, the additional benefit to that is that RSS can give you access to resources you might otherwise never have had time to get to. You can consolidate that information and, and bring it to the front and then maybe pick up things about a particular client or a new filing against a client or a potential client uh, that you wouldn't have caught through the, the standard research methods that you would use otherwise. Well, we've been talking with David Whalen, and David, again, is the author of an article in our December issue of Law Technology News. The article is called Simply Powerful, RSS Monitors, News, Cases, Blogs, and So Much More. You'll be able to access David's article both online and in print. To see it online shortly after December 1st, just visit www.lawtechnologynews.com. And you can also subscribe to uh, LTN by visiting that same spot if you'd like to receive the print or the digital edition of Law Technology News. I want to thank our partner, Legal Talk Network, and thank David Whalen for giving us a very good first step and sort of demystifying uh, a topic that a lot of people find very, very confusing. David, thank you for sharing our inaugural podcast on Law Technology Now. Thanks, Monica. It was a real pleasure. Law Technology Now is produced by the broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. Join Monica Bay for next month's podcast on the technology issues affecting the legal profession today.